Welcome to another episode of Wizards After Dark. I'm your host, Fred Caps. I also, I mainly, cover the Wizards for The Athletic. You have been on now Thunder After Dark and Wizards After Dark. Now you're back on Wizards After Dark again, Matt Velasquez from the uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I've, I've heard the third time's a charm, so third time on the podcast, ready to go. There we go. Although I think he came on Thunder After Dark twice. Really? I thought it was once. Is that memorable? <laughs> <laughs> it was a huge experience for you. Um, this game wasn't all too memorable from either side, I don't think. Yeah, it was just kind of the Bucks taking care of business. Bucks beat the Wizards 131-115. Giannis had 37-10. and 10. He only did it on 20 shots, and he was 17 for 17 from the line. The record, by the way, for most attempted free throws without a miss against the Wizards is 18 for 18 Ooh. from Rick Barry. Fun fact. Pretty good company to be in if you're Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, there you go. And the record in NBA history, do you know what it is? Oh, I couldn't tell you. 23 for 23. Wow. I don't remember who did it. I literally looked it up 15 minutes ago, and I don't remember who it is. My brain is a fried egg. Uh, Bradley Beal had 24. Ariza had 12. Otto Porter had 18. Jeff Green had 20. Who cares? They got stomped. They were down 31 at one point. They went on a 16-0 run to cut it to 15, but it was never really more than 15. It was a garbage-time game. They ended up losing by 16. Jordan McRae with a huge buzzer beater to make it a 16-point game to end the game. Uh, it, honestly, I didn't even think the Wizards were that bad tonight. Like, they weren't good, but they, they weren't that bad. Milwaukee, it was just like, to me, just a case of, like, Milwaukee is a lot better than them, and so they beat them by a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's a game that I've seen a lot this year. I mean, the Bucks have 38 wins. 28 are by double digits. I mean, and they just they just get up on teams when their offense is really rolling. Like, they're just, like, putting it on you, and it's all different guys. And it's not just Giannis getting to the lane, getting buckets, getting fouls. You know, it's Chris Middleton, you know, hitting from the outside. Usually Eric Bledsoe plays. He didn't play tonight. And it's him kind of throwing up some layups. Malcolm Brogdon doing the same. Brooke Lopez chucking up 30-footers. I mean, you can't guard all of them, you know. And so, like, when they start hitting shots, like, they started the game after – Two turnovers in that Sato dunk that was incredible. Incredible. Um, you know, Wizards up five nothing. The Bucks make seven straight shots, and in a blink of an eye, they're up by double digits. And that's just kind of what happens. They can kind of just avalanche you. Yeah, they really can. They totally have that avalanche effect, especially when they're hitting their threes. But the way they spray the ball around like that, and their offense is like so. I was saying before, like it's so crisp, it's so decisive. They are probably better than any other offense in the league at once they once they get a defender out of position finding an open spot up three they've got to be the best in the league at that and there there are plays where just like and this is really what i think did the wizards in the most they didn't contain the ball well tonight and guys who are normally pretty good at it we're bad at the wizards overall in the season have a bad defense they're at 23rd or 24th in the league in defensive efficiency but over the last month, they're top 10. You start from any day, they're pretty much lingering from 5 to 10. Over the last month, they're in their last 11 games, including tonight when they give up a ton of points, and including the San Antonio game recently when they give up a ton of points. Last 11 games, they're 6 in the NBA in defensive efficiency. Like, they've been defending well lately. Even when tonight they didn't do a great job defending the ball, and, and the problem with that is when somebody gets inside, the Bucks, if they're three passes away from a spot up, if they're one pass away from a spot up three, 
they're getting that spot three every time. If they're three passes away from a spot of three, they're still almost always going to get that spot of three. Like, they are so good at creating that. Now, nights like this, when the Wizards don't do a great job containing the ball, which is going to give them opportunities to find that guy for spot of three because someone's going to have to help, and they're they're hitting their shots like this, it's like, good luck. Yeah, and it's... It's one of those things where the Bucks, like, they have their five-out offense. They know where like, where guys are going to be, what spots they're going to be in. And so they'll throw these, like, kind of, like, weird wraparound, no-look passes, and they'll they'll kick out from a spot where, like, you know, they're they're looking right, and they'll throw it to the left corner because they just know that those guys are going to be there. And they've had turnovers while they've built that chemistry, like, oh, hey, like, you're supposed to be there. That's why I threw it there. But over the course of the season, those turnovers – turnover numbers have gone way down, and they just know where everyone's going to be at all times, and so they can just throw these, like, kooky passes and just have them hit anybody because all the, the focus is on the ball handler who has created some separation by getting, you know, a little bit closer getting by his man. And so it just makes it so hard for opposing teams because, you know, the Bucks could – usually you throw kind of where your momentum's going, that's where your pass goes, and they'll throw kind of across their bodies and across the lane because they know where that guy's going to be. They're just – they're so well coached. They're yeah. so well coached. I mean, Mike Budenholzer's got to be the lead for coach. Like, there, there are some really good coaching jobs. I mean, you got Pop in San Antonio was always going to be there. And Kenny Atkinson in Brooklyn. Kenny Atkinson, Mike Malone. Um, anyone else forgetting? Not anyone that's coming to mind. I mean, you can always throw out Steve Kerr and say, hey, that he's he's doing a great job. His team is great. Um, you know. Whether you want to discount that. Nate McMillan, depending on, like, if Indiana ends up finishing fourth or third in the East or something like that. I mean, Nick Nurse, you can make some kind of argument for, considering it's his first year as a head coach, and he has the Raptors playing Mm -hmm. as well as they've been playing. Uh, But none of those guys, I I think, are anywhere close to Bud. Just the way that he took this team that has consistently had talent. They've had players. They've had the pieces. I mean, the starting lineup they had tonight was all there last year. They had all the same guys in that starting lineup. Um, just he he moved everybody into the right places and got them to kind of accept it and do it in such a drama-free fashion that now they're the best team record-wise in the NBA. Yeah, they're wildly good. I uh, We have to send in power rankings every week. Did I already talk about this? I don't think so. I don't think we so. We have to send in power rankings. I couldn't remember. I had this conversation with someone earlier tonight, and I don't remember if it that was me. just now. I just – I'm – I told you I'm losing my mind. So I, we have to do power rankings every week, and I sent mine in today. And I had Golden State number one, and I'm Milwaukee number two because Golden State's playing so well right now. And actually, as of the time we're recording this, they're currently losing to the LeBronless Lakers. But Golden State was playing so well when I sent them in. And they're the Warriors, and they got the track record, and they, they deserve to be number one, I think. But I feel so bad not making Milwaukee number one. And it's not just a record thing. They are so by far in the league lead in net rating. They're outscoring opponents by almost, like you bring up the blowout stat, they're outscoring opponents by almost 10 points per 100 possessions. That was actually coming in, they might be over 10 because it was a fraction, but it was like 9.8 or something like that coming into tonight. 10 points per 100 possessions, it's unbelievable. Like they have the second best non-Warriors net rating over the last six years, only the 2016 Spurs is higher. This is one of the most dominant teams over the last half decade, at least in terms of what they're doing in the regular season. They're on pace to win 60-something. They're awesome. And if the Wizards end up sneaking in and getting the eighth seed, good luck. Have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll enjoy my two days or three days in D.C. 
and, and then kind of move on. Because this, this Bucks team, I mean, Milwaukee hasn't gotten out of the first round since 2001. That will end this year. They will get out of the first round. Like, I just can't conceive of a world where, you know, barring injuries, of course, but I just can't conceive of a situation where the Bucks lose in the first round. Like, they just have too much talent. They're playing too well, too... You know, too cohesively—that's a word—to for that to even be a possibility. Like they'll they'll be challenged in in the second round. You know, once you get to the you know the Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Philly segment of of the playoffs, like then things really get going. Assuming those teams get to where we think they should. Um, but other than that, like, the Bucks are just—they're just rolling. They're going to keep doing it for the foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah, they're really really good. All right, we got to talk about Giannis too. This is a very Bucks-centric episode, but that's what happens when you play the Bucks now because this team is that good. Uh, Giannis, at 37-10, and 10, it felt like 53-16. and 16. Uh, The difficulties they had guarding him, and this is not unique to the Wizards at all, but like they put Ariza on him, and Ariza's just not strong enough to guard him. He, cause he, he, he backs him down a couple times. Oh, man, he, he had a play where he... Got Ariza like 14 feet from the basket, and he just backed him down for 13 of those feet. And knocked him over. Knocked him over. Dumped on like three or four dudes at once. And got the foul. And got the foul. And I'm like, like, what's Ariza supposed to do? That's beyond his physical limitations. He's a he's somewhere between a good and very good defender. And he's been – I talked about how the Wizards' defense has really turned around the last month. He's been a major reason for that. Like, I, I – I, I, agree with most of the criticisms that people had about the Ariza trade, about the short-sightedness of it, and just the the short-sightedness of playing for only 2018-19 when you're 22-30. and 30. But he's helped them in 2018-19. He hasn't shot the ball well, and he's still been good. He's been a good defender. He's been a good passer for them. He's done basically everything but shoot the ball well for them including defend. He's a big reason why their defense has gotten better. It's just beyond his physical limitations to do that. He's he's just too good. And then you put a stronger guy on like Otto Porter, but Porter's not fast enough. I mean, he's just not quite quick enough to get him. And these are two legitimately good wing defenders. And it's just like you need – no one's going to guard Giannis well because he's too good. But in order to just – disrupt what he wants to do because like Ariza can't disrupt what he wants to do Giannis was just like okay it looked like a grown up against a 12 year old he just backed him down Ariza can't disrupt him in order to disrupt what you want to do to Giannis like you really need like a perfect defender like a I know they didn't guard each other much but like a Toronto Milwaukee series I imagine you're gonna get Kawhi on him that didn't really happen when they played the other night, but that would be fun. Like that's the perfect guy. I covered a guy who was great against him, um, always in Andre Robertson, who's now hurt. And I know they played twice this year, and you didn't get a chance to see that. Well, and they Giannis, only played once so far. They only played once. Oh, they only played once. They played the last game of the regular season, so maybe we won't get to see it because maybe there won't be any reason for Giannis to play. True, so who knows? true, and who knows about Robertson's status, but like he was always good against Giannis, although Giannis is better now than he's ever been, so I just, no one's going to stop him, but like you need the perfect defender in order to just disrupt him, and it's just, it's got to be so frustrating for those guys. Well, and he's convinced, like there have been games like against Portland, Aminu kind of slowed him down a little bit, 
Um, and then Thad Young for the Pacers had a really nice defensive game against him. But Giannis is fully convinced in his own mind that literally no one can stop him. That if, if for any reason he doesn't play well, it's because he didn't do enough. And that he didn't assert himself because he could have. And he didn't. And so, like, he, he just has that that made up already. Like, there's no defender in this league that can stop me. I'm going to score. I'm going to assert myself. My teammates are going to score off of my kickouts. And I'm in full control of everything. And so he's not, like, really worried at all about what defense, like, a team is doing or, like, how they're defending him or who's on him. He just figures, I have two of the longest legs in the world, and I know how to use them to get myself free by kind of euro-stepping and spinning and hesitating and doing all these different things that he does in the lane to just create space out of nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it is uh, It's a pleasure to watch. Like, even Scott Brooks after the game was like, yeah, he got to the line 17 times. And, like, it wasn't because of the refs. It was just like, what are you going to do? And it's it's amazing to watch. Uh, let's talk gossipy stuff. Sure, love that. Giannis said that if Brad is available then he would definitely take him. Brad will be available. <laughs> he will definitely be available. He's an all-star. <laughs> yes. So obviously Giannis is a captain for the all-star team. Yes. He and LeBron are going to draft teams on February 7th on live TV. Bradley Beal has already said that he thinks it's dumb. That's his exact quote. It's dumb that uh, they televise it live. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. So... We're on a different side than Brad. That's okay. I, I told him after if I was in his position, I would actually agree with him, but that I have no empathy and I'm an asshole. So I'm totally <laughs> fine with watching this and enjoying the entertainment value. If people wanted to pick beat writers and, and do it on live TV... And I would watch. I, I, I'm fine with it. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't care where I stand. You know, it's, yeah, it's just... I would appreciate being involved. Yeah. But so, Brad says he's not going to watch it. If he were to watch it, apparently he would watch Giannis pick him. So I'm sure someone like you will tell him what happens if he doesn't watch it. <laughs> that is true. I'm sure he'll find out what team he's on, too. Um, I don't know. I, I, I hope you hold Giannis accountable. Well, he doesn't pick him. Well, the thing is, is that there's a lot of caveats there. So he's already said that he knows he's going to – he wants to pick Joel Embiid. He wants to pick Russell uh, Westbrook because he's a lover, not a fighter, and he wants to bring them together. Which was a great quote. It's a great quote. It's wonderful. I had no idea he was going to go that far with that. But he did, and it, it was, was really funny. So he said that he wants to do that. So you'd have to pick Embiid in the, in the first round among the starters. But he also said that he would pick his teammates first, and the teammate was there, so Chris Middleton's there. So in the second round, Giannis has first pick. Does he pick Westbrook to finish off his Embiid-Westbrook pairing? Does he pick Middleton first because he's his teammate and then kind of go from there? Or does he pick Brad Beal versus did he pick him if he was available? And he will be available with the first pick in the second round. <laughs> he's, he's made a lot of promises. He's, he's acting like a politician here. I don't think he can keep all these promises. It's actually literally impossible. Could he end up picking Westbrook, Middleton, and and Beal at some point in the second round, he could. And then he may, then he suddenly has told truth this whole time. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I have a theory. I, I think, and this is based on literally nothing, but, like, this is what I would do. They got to have, like, he and LeBron have to have under-the-table deals. They got to have that. Maybe. Like, like Giannis has got to be like, you can't take Chris Middleton, I have to take Chris Well, Middleton. Giannis has the first pick in the second round, so he can take Chris immediately and make a statement. Does it snake? Does the draft well, snake? Well, so LeBron has the first pick in the first round, 
Giannis is the first pick in the second round, and then the just randomly added third round of, of Wade and Nowitzki, LeBron is the first pick. That's that's the information that I had. Okay. So that that's where we're at. Okay. All right. Well, LeBron's going to take Wade. And Giannis will take Dirk, and it works perfectly because LeBron has his whole history with Wade, and Giannis has spoken many times about how Dirk is someone he looked up to up to as a foreign player, you know, who was kind of uh, an idol and all this stuff. So they get to be on the same team. It's great. Yeah. I love I love the legacy guy thing. It's cool. I, it should not be an every year thing though. If you don't have legacy guys each year, so here's here's what I think. So John John Hamm, who I used to do a podcast with in OKC, not the actor, the Oklahoma City radio personality, always had the idea, and I, I've heard him say this so many times, and they finally did it. I'm like, oh, my God, they should make John Hamm commissioner. Hamm has always said, in order to get these guys like Wade out of the vote, fans feel like they have to get them into this all-star game, and the only way to do it is to vote them in. Exactly, and so you get these ridiculous things like Dwayne Wade being second in the fan voting amongst Eastern Conference guards, right? But if you want to take away that pressure and you want to take away that incentive, the commissioner can just have two, a legacy, one legacy spot on each team called the legacy player. He can nominate them like two weeks before the game or whatever, and he can choose to use zero, one, or two every year depending on what players are there. He was like, this year you would use... Wade and Dirk. Maybe next year, if Vince Carter finally decides to retire, you do Vince Carter. Like, and if there's nobody else, then you do nobody you else. Do Vince. Yeah, you just do Vince. Like, if there's, you know, a, you don't use it on like Jamal Crawford. Like, you use it on these great. Maybe, maybe eventually Mike Conley, just to get him in the freaking <laughs> game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, like, yeah, that's 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 how you do it. And I I I always thought it was a great idea, and completely agree with it. What's the downside? You're not taking anyone's spot. No one's pissed at Dwayne Wade being there if he's not taking anyone's spot. It's fine. Who cares? So, like, add the legacy stuff. It's great. So I, I, I think it's great. And it makes it more fun. Like, Dirk being there for All-Star. But that being said, he shouldn't be in the three-point contest now. Mm. Now that he's there, now he's just taking – I thought that was a good way to get him yeah, into All-Star. He drop out of the three-point contest so that he doesn't take a spot from somebody who actually shoots three-pointers right. in games. Now, because Dirk, I mean, Dirk came to Milwaukee for the one time, his last trip to Milwaukee, didn't play. Didn't play. And it was like, I was let down. I was a little hurt. So, I'm going to have one more shot, and the Bucks are going to, to Dallas in like a week. Like, I want to see Dirk one more time. Like, let's make this happen. Dirk has always been great to watch. Always. One of my all-time favorites to watch. I mean, how could he not be? I mean, especially, I mean, that Mavs team, like, maybe people forget about that Mavs team because they were in a dynasty. Like, they don't have, like, that long run. They didn't have LeBron. But, like, the fact that they won a title and, like, did it on his back against a super team, like, come on. Like, that's just fantastic. And he, I mean, he made that happen. He was out of this world in that playoff run. So out good. of this world. And they... People talk about that like it was like so random. Like they always sucked, and then they just popped up for one year and they were good. They won fifty for like twelve years. Sustained success in the West. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard, and they were constantly part of the conversation. I mean, maybe teams remember or people remember them better if they weren't the one seed that lost the eight seed. Yeah, that you know, during that stretch. That's that's not great. Yeah. Sixty something. Well, they won sixty seven that year, I think. They were really good, and then lost to the Warriors. And they shouldn't have. And it kind of robbed all of us of what could have been. But you know, 
the Warriors beat them. Like, good for them. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, anything else from this game? Somehow we got on Dirk conversation. Uh, Troy Brown uh, rolled over his ankle. He is having a CT scan, and x-rays came back negative. Uh, weird rotational stuff from Scott Brooks, actually. Didn't use Jordan McRae in the first half. Put him in in the second half. Uh-huh. Yeah, played him 13 minutes in the second half after not using him in the first. He said it was because they needed scoring. McRae had uh, nine points in 13 minutes. He was two for six from the line, so and he's not normally two for six from the line. So he can score. Duke can score. leads to the G League in scoring, and Scott Brooks started using him this week and used him weird tonight. Sadoransky didn't play in the fourth quarter, and when I asked Brooks why, he said he wanted to play McRae uh, because they needed scoring. And I'm like, he's <laughs> I mean, that, that's got to be code for I've but, given up. But, but it was, it, the lineup was so weird because it was four of their top six players. They were down like 20, and it was four of their top six players. It was uh, Beal, Porter, Ariza, Jeff Green, and then Jordan McCray, who didn't even play in the first half. And I just, I, I didn't understand. Like, I didn't, I get resting a dude when it's, you're down 20, but Sadoransky played 24 minutes and was playing okay. He did not play a very good defensive game, so maybe Scott just didn't want to throw him under the bus, and he just said yeah, that as a yeah, code answer. That could be it. Could be but Sato's normally a good defender, like a legitimately good defender, but maybe he just didn't want to throw him under the bus. I don't know. Weird. I, I will say, they got to start doing, they got to start being a little more mindful about Bradley Beal's minutes. He played 37 again tonight. He's like second in the league in total minutes played. A game where you're down 31 and you never come within even 15 again after that, like, it's just not good. It's just not good to play him 37. I know Scott will argue, like, we don't practice that much and there are other ways to monitor, you know, actual usage beyond minutes. But, like, Bradley Beal missed a huge chunk of time at the beginning of his career because of a series of stress fractures, which everybody in the know, himself included, says was brought on by overusage. And he's second in the league in minutes this year. It's just like, you can play him a lot of minutes, you need him. But he doesn't need to play 37 on a night like this. He doesn't need to play 39 on a night where they get killed by fill-in-the-blank. Like, it's just, he doesn't need to play 40 on a night where they were up 20 the whole time. You know, like, it's, it just, it doesn't, I, 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 don't, I don't get that part. Uh, okay. Yeah, I get this team, like, not wanting to tank or not wanting to give in. They want to keep fighting. They want to keep, like, trying to get to the playoffs for... You know, whatever reason they have. And that's all well and good, but the way you get there is by having Bradley Peel available for as many games as possible, which you make happen by not using him unnecessarily. Yep. It, it seems to make a lot of sense. I don't know. Yep. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, plug yourself. Uh, just can find it. You are now covering a very relevant team. I am. No, that's it's been a long and uh interesting road from when I first got to Milwaukee and they were 15 and 67 uh, and now they're the team with the best record in the NBA so you can find myself at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel on jsonline.com and I'm on Twitter at Matt underscore Velasquez. Great. And you can subscribe to Wizards After Dark on iTunes and you can leave a five star review and you can uh, write a review as well which is always nice. I'll be back on Monday after the Hawks game which you know the Wizards for the most part have been beating bad teams, except for that wretched loss to Cleveland. They've been Ooh. pretty much taking care of business, uh, so I anticipate that'll be a little bit of a of a better mood, and when, when they get their asses handed to them, they normally 
end up coming back out with some fights. So I anticipate they're gonna they're gonna be okay on Monday night, but who knows? That's why they play the games. That's why they play the games. It's the NBA. Uh, either way, I will be back on Monday night with the greatest podcast ever. So tune in. I'll talk to you guys. Then.